Welcome to the Faith Christian Church Podcast. You're listening to a message from one of our many gatherings that we have throughout the week. For more information on service times, ways that you can be a part of the work that God is doing in our communities, and so much more, you can visit our website at faithchristianwi.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Jesus' resurrection. Many of the things that we say we believe are actually facts that don't really need to believe to be believed as much as understood. Some of the Bible stories, the historical events, the, the Bible itself, the coming to together of those scriptures, uh, they require a little faith, but more understanding. The event we commemorate today, the fact that Jesus, who was God's son, but was also man, was physically dead, and his body was physically raised back to life, that is the fulcrum where our faith leverages the rest of our life. And today, we get to celebrate that resurrection and invite all of our families and friends to join us in believing that he is alive. This morning, I'd like you to join me and read a resurrection story as it's found in the Gospel of Matthew. Before we continue our Bible message, we'll, we'll read the, just a small section of it. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, and we'll read the first 10 verses. I hope you'll follow along with me as we read the account. So now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone. That was the stone that covered the entrance of the tomb, which was carved in, in a rock wall, kind of the side of a hill. And he sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. Behold, he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples of all the words in this phrase, I just love the descriptive, emotional word that said they ran to tell. If you're running to tell someone something, most of us don't do that. They ran because it was a capturing moment. What they had hoped, believed, maybe doubted had happened and they had to tell them. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. I ask you now to join me in a brief prayer that the, the next moments that I have with you, that the Holy Spirit would be able to take these moments and make them more of a conversation with God than with people listening to a preacher. Could you ask God to do that in our lives today? Our Father, today, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done. We submit and commit these next moments to you. We pray that in this hour of our lives, 
that not one person would be left outside of the scope of your caring attention just now. That your Holy Spirit would communicate your truth and the reality and that which you wish us to know and experience, make it real through these next moments. As we've read the account of your resurrection, imprint it now in our souls and spirits, in our minds and in our lives, and help us to receive what you have. And please do this above and beyond any ability I have as a communicator. I ask it in Jesus' name. If you can agree, say amen. Amen. All month long, we've been speaking on the subject of the ransom. The ransom. And this morning, it'll be the conclusion and the finale of our whole series of services as, and messages as we talk about Jesus, the ransom for our lives. This morning, I want to talk to you about what freedom looks like. What freedom looks like. You see, when you think of the word ransom, it's really, it's really an, a modern description of an old biblical word called redemption. Ransom means to redeem. The words mean the same thing. It literally means to make a payment and get back what was held hostage. So when we think of the word ransom, you can't really unassociate the thought that a ransom is only paid because someone was taken captive. Someone was held hostage. And as a result of that hostage taking and that captivity and the ransom being paid, in, a, in the best case scenario, the ransom gets paid and the hostage gets freed. And that's the wonderful truth that we're trying to illustrate as, as we talk about it here today. But before we really progress much further, I'm afraid that many of us, as even Christians, really don't understand or appreciate the concept. What is this idea of a ransom and a hostage and freedom? What is the obsession that we Christians seem to have with singing about freedom, which we did today, and talking about it? What, what are we free from? What has bound us? What is this scenario we speak of? The idea of the ransom comes from this. It comes from a holy and a perfect and a just God who set and created mankind in his own image and then set a standard for him to live by, a behavioral mark, if you will, to hit, something that we must do, we must be, in order to be like him. But mankind, both the first couple, Adam and Eve, and all of us as their children, missed that mark. The first, our parents decided against God's will to do what he forbade. And God's sentence was clear. In the day that you sin, in the day that you miss my mark, in the day that you disobey me, you will surely die. But it wasn't just physical death. It was being pushed away from the life of God into a life of darkness and death. God, in his justice, pronounced that sentence, and we were held captive in death by God. God in his mercy couldn't allow us to stay in that condition. So without compromising his justice, he paid a ransom to himself. He found a way to create a savior. Although Jesus was God before he was born, he became a man in the womb of Mary. He lived a life. You know the word sin, when I talked about a mark to hit, the word sin literally means to miss the mark. That sin has a lot of 
definitions and a lot of explanations, but the word means there's a mark, there's a standard, and we missed it. All kinds of ways, but we missed it. Jesus never missed it. He never missed that mark. His standard was perfect. His behavior was acceptable. He lived how man should live. And at the proper time, he was allowed by the providence of God to be condemned by the Jewish leaders, turned over to the Roman authorities, and crucified. And in that moment, the ransom was paid. Jesus paid it to his father. I'm willing to pay the ransom that, that is necessary in order for all of the captives called human beings to be set free. We commemorated and celebrated that on Good Friday. So today, what do we celebrate? We celebrate freedom for the captives. Freedom for the captives, for all the human race, for us personally, for those in the past, present, and future. So I ask you today, what does freedom look like? I thought to myself that, you know, the vast majority of people, I, I really hope everyone in this hearing today has never been held a hostage. I hope that's been true. Because it's not a good, I'm sure, a terrible experience. So I looked up, what would it be like to be held hostage and then be freed? Uh, there is an organization called HostageUS.org. HostageUS.org is an organization set up most literally to help people who have been held hostage in any setting and then have been freed, this organization is to help them through the process of going from being a hostage to being free and to reintegrate back into human life, as you can imagine, can be difficult. So looking up that site, they have a, a short list of experiences that you can expect to have happen if you've been a hostage and you've been free. Well, the first one, surprise, surprise, says that if you have been a hostage and you are freed, almost all people will feel a recent, real sense of joy and relief over their freedom. How many of you can make sense out of that? Of course, I was bound and now I'm free. I was chained up in some dark cell somewhere and the doors busted open and in came the Navy SEALs to say, U.S. Navy team here to rescue you, sir, and out you go. You are a happy man or woman at that moment. You think, I'm free. Yes, I made it. I survived. And off you go to home. Almost every people, all people that were hostages and freed accept this, have this real joy. But often these feels of, feelings of joy are followed by an emotional discovery that I'm going to have to reintegrate back into life and I may not be quite prepared to do so. In other words, I can't just live in this glorious freedom. At some point, I'm going to have to think about going back to work and relating to people and cutting the lawn and doing all the things that we take for granted in living a free life. Some people, and this is notable, not all, but some of these captives, it's notable. Some of these captives, after being free, have to fight through feelings of wanting to go back to be a captive. You think, what? Who would want to go back? I, I, I don't think we can fathom it so easily. But what is necessary for them to survive, sometimes which is a horrible ordeal, actually imprints on their soul so powerfully 
that it is said that there comes a moment in many of their lives where the stress of trying to integrate is too strong and I just wish I was back in the cell or in the captivity again. I found it interesting to note that it said the vast, they said the vast majority actually of them need no professional help. I thought everybody would. But it said they do need, and this was their most important thing, a serious social support system. Family and friends who are willing to tolerate, help them, and just not let them fail. Let them be themselves, but not let them go back. We're going to be there for you. All of them, it said, will have to patiently integrate back into quote-unquote normal life. And this was their most important observation. They will have to, I don't know if this is a word, unlearn. They will have to unlearn. Maybe we would call it deprogram. We would have to unlearn what was necessary for us to accept in order to survive captivity. We'll have to unlearn what we had to accept in order to survive captivity. Now, I think you can see where I might be going with this because probably none of us here have been a hostage. Maybe some have. I hope not. But all of us here have missed that mark that I described at the beginning. All of us here were banished into a place called death by God's justice. All of us here have lived in that place called death, which is not a physical prison, which does not have physical captors, but nonetheless keeps us in bondage to something. Maybe not even things that can be seen, but behaviors and patterns that we really don't want to have. You see, in order to really appreciate what it means to be free, I think we have to understand what it means to be a hostage Here's a couple of thoughts, and then I want to read a scripture. To appreciate freedom, we almost have to understand captivity. Everyone that was a hostage, it is said, reduces life to survival. The most important thing, the only thing you have to do when you wake up as a hostage today on your to-do list is one thing, survive. I want to get through this day alive. I want to make sure that I see the end of this day. And in order to survive... They learn unconditional obedience. You do what you're told. You just do it. It doesn't have to be good, right, or acceptable. You just do it because your goal is what? Survival. Secondly, they learn to tolerate and accept less than acceptable conditions, which is an understatement. You learn to tolerate and accept less than acceptable conditions. Eating food you would never eat, but it beats starving. And the list goes on. And they learn to control their thoughts. You don't just think about anything. You just don't start thinking about how bad this food is and, and how hopeless my situation is. You have to control your thoughts or you may not survive. And it is that conditioning of the soul of the captive that, that makes reintegration so hard. It is exactly that conditioning that somehow prompts people who are now free, who have had this euphoric, yes, I'm free, but then later almost wish I could go back to it. Why? Because I'm conditioned that that's the life I know. What does freedom look like? Well, 
we as human beings have all been sold into captivity, as I explained. I'm going to read today just two portions of Scripture before we apply it. And the Scripture is Ephesians chapter 2. It describes not Jesus' resurrection, but what happened to us because of Jesus' death and resurrection. First of all, our captivity. Would you read Ephesians chapter 2? We're going to read 1 through 3. He said, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We live for pleasure. We live for ourselves. We, we thought we, we thought this was all there was to life. And we know that living for pleasure and living for self has a price tag. On the front side, the appeal is fun. The price tag is destruction. Someone gets hurt. And then we find ourselves thinking that, is this all there is? While we are captives, we are told lies. That's why people that are in captivity have to deprogram. They're told lies. We're told lies about God. We're told lies about God. Don't get close to God. He wants to punish you, which is a lie. If he wanted to punish you, Jesus would have never came. We were already banished because of our sin. He ransomed us by his choice, not ours. It wasn't our goodness or our approach to God that got us accepted by him. It was God's coming to us in the form of Jesus Christ. We're told lies that God wishes to punish us. We are told lies and we convince ourselves that this is all there is to life. And if I go to God, he's going to take from me what little joy I have. Now, you and I know that if you invite people to church or talk to them about Jesus, it won't be long before you will hear one of these lies in some form or another. Ooh, I'm not going to go to church. Lightning will strike if I walk through those doors and we hear all kinds of statements. What are we really saying? I'm here. God's there. I just as soon stay where I am. He stays where he is. I don't want to have to bring my behavior to him. Or, But that's not true. We surrender our lives to God only to discover that surrendering to him is really accepting our freedom. Surrender is not giving up anything but the chains that were on our hands and the prison cell we were kept in. We surrender to God by walking out of that bondage. All month long, We've been hearing some wonderful stories of people who have found freedom in Jesus and, and the process in which they have found that freedom. Today, it's my pleasure to present to you a beautiful story of someone close to me, my very own brother, who is here today. And uh, it'll be a beautiful story as you hear. Well, the crazy brother is back for a couple more minutes. Thank you to my brother Tom for his willingness to share his heart story. What a beautiful story. And friends, I would answer partly that is what freedom looks like, finding the real answers to life. Our freedom, you see, Christian, comes with Jesus' freedom from the tomb. 
Earlier we read the scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. Let me read the last half of the same scriptures continuing. We ended in verse 3. Let's continue now reading Ephesians chapter 2 and starting in verse number 4. It ended with telling us about how we were identified with Jesus' death and grave by living for pleasure, living for self, and living in bondage. It continues in verse 4 by saying, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, dead like Jesus, dead in our trespasses, missing that mark, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him. And he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. You see, the truth is, what you need to do and what I need to do to come to God is accept what he's already done. There really is no doing left. There is no steps to take. There are no deeds to do. The truth is that Jesus' grave, his crucifixion and his grave, is the burial place for all of our sins, all the ways that we miss the mark. Now, there are lots of things that miss the mark, like, like big bad things. I was most pleased to see these video stories that we have heard. You know, so many times we, we highlight people and, and they've had these terrible pasts, much more myself than my brother where we did all kinds of bad things and we got involved in all kinds of bad behaviors and, and we did gang violence and we, you know, all these stories we hear and then somehow or another we're saved and all of us think, what a story. The truth is a lot of people are just like we heard, doing the best we can, trying to be good people. But somewhere inside, we're a captive. Nobody would know on the outside. We have an enviable life, but inside, all kinds of things can bind us. It is those things that we are to leave in the grave with Jesus. You say, what, what do we need to do to get free? We need to walk out of the tomb because the stone's been rolled away. We don't need to achieve something, prove something, or show something. We need to walk somewhere. And the beauty of Jesus in being our ransom is that he didn't just die, pay the ransom, open the prison door, and now we're on our own. He died, paid the ransom, opened the prison door, and then rose from the dead, and he stands at the entry of our tomb with his hand outstretched saying, I'll help you. You want help getting out of there? You want help walking forward? Would you like help forgiving people that have hurt you? Would you like help letting go of that addiction that you think can't be broken? Would you like help being a loving person instead of a vengeful one? Would you like help walking in peace instead of being bound by anxiety? That's our Jesus. He stands at the entry of all of our lives and we get to choose to walk out of that tomb and take his hand or stay back in that captivity because it's all we know. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. What we need, folks, today, 
just like those captives that Hostage USA talked about. We need the truth. Those captives need to be reprogrammed. We need the truth. Anyone know where we can find the truth about our spiritual life? Anybody just want to shout out a guess? The Bible. The New Testament especially is a description not of what you were, but of what you can be. I am who he says I am, like we sang this morning. We need the truth. We also need a strong social support system. Anybody want to just venture a guess where we as Christians can find a strong spiritual social support system in one word? Church. church. We need the Bible. We need church. You see, we love each other here, and we're not just going to let you walk back in that grave that easy. We'll block the entrance. We'll love you. We'll even fight with you a little bit if you want to get nasty about it. But we're not going to, we care about you too much to just let you go and wreck your life without even trying to save you. Today, you and I are free. The stone's been rolled away. What remains for us is to step out of that tomb. He's calling you. I'm going to ask you to join me right now in this most important moment on Easter Sunday morning this year to be able to say, I want you to examine your life for this second and say, what am I right now? Have I walked out of that tomb? Have I looked at Jesus and welcomed him in my life? Have I said, yes, I'm going to do this? Would you bow your heads with me right now? It isn't because we're ashamed. It's so that you can focus on your life and God and not worry about someone else. But today, if you're here, this is your day to step out of where you've been to where you've gone. Maybe you're a good person and you have an enviable life, but you know there are things inside that you need to leave behind and there's a life in front of you that you need to embrace. How many of us to here today? It, we're going to help you. It's, not, it, it's very simple. We're going to help you by asking you to pray and welcome Jesus into your life. How many of you right now would be able to say by raising your hand, I want to step out of that tomb. I want to take this new life. It doesn't matter what you're leaving, or but we do know what you're going to. How many of you today? We're not doing this for me, so it's not me that needs to see your hand, but I'm asking you to raise your hand. Thank you for raising hands today. We'll take a moment because this is important. This is important. This is what we embrace when we say, yes, I believe in Jesus' resurrection. How many more today? Take a moment. Raise your hand so God sees it and say, yes, this is me. I'm going to leave that to him. Thank you. Thank you. More people raising their hands. What we're doing is we're hearing his voice. And he's calling our name. He's saying Paul and Tom and Lori and Mark and all the others. Come out. Join me in this new life. Any others? We'll take a moment raising your hands. Thank you. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat the words. It's not magical, but if you mean these words, it'll be believing in Jesus. You're going to step out of that old life into a new. Would you all together repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on that cross. And I believe you rose from the dead. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I give you its sin and its failure. And I accept your resurrection today. I give you all that I am for now and forever. I choose Jesus Christ 
to be my Lord and my Savior. And I'm so thankful to you, God. Amen and amen. We're going to close our service with a really fun song. It's a song of testimony. And today I'm telling you that he calls our name and we come running out of that grave.
into your glorious day. You called my name and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness into your glorious day. Jesus, this is your day. We're your people. We pray that today, all these words we just sang will be the true testimony of every life here. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for the opportunity to serve. Bless these, your people, as we go our way, we pray in Jesus' name. Now, as you're dismissed, we will have ministers at our altar who would love to pray for you. Maybe there's something going on that you'd just like an extra boot prayer boost for, or you'd like to talk to somebody quick. Well, they'll be up here. We dismiss you in the name of Jesus. Come forward if you need prayer. Happy Resurrection Day to all of you.